Welcome to the Why Relationships Matter podcast, powered by Goody Nation, where conversations with founders, experts, and organizations show how leveraging networks creates deep relationships that lead to revenue, funding, better CEOs, and big impact. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the next episode in the Why Relationships Matter podcast series by Goody Nation. I am Joey Womack, founder and CEO. We have a special edition coming up for you, something that's personal to me and it's very personal to uh, May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. Have three amazing founders working on mental health startups. And so we're going to get right into it. So we have some people who I truly admire. Um, it's read all over the country, and I'm really looking forward to doing a few things, digging into their origin stories, learning more about what they're working on and their why, and then start to have a, a small discussion on, you know, perhaps why relationships matter as it relates to mental health. So going to go in chronological order in terms of the types of people they uh, they serve. And so first, I'm going to kick it to, to Yar, and then we're going to go to Ashley and then Rochelle. Uh, for their origin story. So Yard, the floor is yours. How did you get to where, you know, you are now? What drove you? What compelled you um, to ultimately start TQ Intelligence? Yeah. Good morning, everybody. Um, Yared Alamu, founder and CEO at TQ Intelligence. Um, I'm a psychologist by training. Um, uh, And also I'm the byproduct of uh, really good quality mental health treatment. Uh, for an extended period of time. So from, so from a personal perspective uh, and from a professional perspective, um, you know, I, I've been in both sides. Uh, and, and so that's partly how um, we ended up uh, building technology to improve treatment outcomes uh, from uh, people from low-income communities. You know, I grew up poor um, uh, and, and I know the... Um, you know, all the consequences of uh, uh, poverty, which is, uh, you know, I tell people there's really no upside to poverty. It's, a, it's almost like you're sipping a poison very slowly that you cannot test and you cannot smell. By the time you find out, you're already experiencing all the consequences in terms of your emotional, physical, uh, uh, um, psychological and spiritual life. Um, so, so we, you know, we, we think that we can use technology to be able to impact outcomes uh, of children and adolescents uh, from low-income communities. And we think that early intervention, um, uh, there's an opportunity to divert uh, children and adolescents from low-income communities to move in the direction of, um, uh, of fulfilling their life dreams and, and, um, um, and become um, an inter- integrated part of the um, uh, the community. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure many people out there have doing, have gone to, to, to several types of therapy, including, including marriage, you know, marriage counseling and stuff like that. One of the first things I, I've seen, I mean, I've seen a few people, you know, pre pre-engagement counseling, all kind of stuff is they ask you about your childhood. Right. And so, you know, that, uh, what I've noticed from, from those questions is that childhood trauma definitely affects you as an adult and it affects many actions. So, Thanks for the work you're doing. Uh, and so we're going to kick. So as people get a little bit older, right, uh, they may be impacted in several other ways as well. And so let's kick it over to Ashley for a little bit about your origin story um, and, uh, you know, how you came to be with what you're working on now. So I uh, was raised, born and raised in Atlanta, and um, I was always an artist, but there weren't always spaces for us to be able to create. And I found early on that with a lot of the things I had going on in my childhood, in my home, um, and even as a teenager, that art was a really powerful tool to give me a space to express myself uh, where I didn't feel comfortable. I was pretty shy at talking about my feelings. Um, So art gave me a way to talk about it visually. And then um, over the years, I worked as a freelance designer and eventually fell into the mental health field Um, and started out as a behavior aide, eventually became a social worker and uh, a mental health coach to women who were survivors of sex trafficking. And so um, I predominantly worked with children and families, but I worked with uh, trafficking survivors for about seven years um, out of my 10 year career. And 
working with them, these women um, and girls suffered from a lot of addiction, um, very elevated mental health um, because of a lot of the trauma they were experiencing and exposed to. And they often didn't have great distractions while they're trying to make a decision to, uh, to try recovery. And so we said, hey, let's try making some art with them. It, it helped me in my life. Let's see if it, if it works. And it became one of the go-to kind of uh, skill building things to do with them. Um, not even just skill building, but it became a go-to thing to help them distract from detoxing, um, to talk about things that were difficult. And so uh, I quit that work to start Artsy Bella. And um, early on, we knew we wanted to create a solution for art therapy and using art for mental health, but we weren't sure how to do it. But over the years, working with customers, we got a chance to do a lot of discovery from doing our paint parties and art classes. Um, and that led us to the subscription box that we initially started with. Um, and through doing more discovery with customers, we just found a way that using an online platform gives them a coach and a way to have an instructor guide them through the process of creating. It takes away um, just some of that discouragement about doing it on their own. Um, and so that's kind of where we where we started and where we are now. Nice, 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 nice. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you both for your for your service. Um, and so as we go a little bit, a little bit further um, down down the road, I want to kick it over to Rochelle Lewis, who is who is, I think, attacking mental health from, from a different angle, um, something that unfortunately pretty much we're all going to have to deal with in one way, shape or form and several times, unfortunately, in, in, in our life. So, Rochelle, do you want to do a quick uh, you know, intro and then um, tell a little bit to us a little bit about your origin story? Definitely, definitely. So I'm uh, Rochelle Lewis. I'm co-founder and COO for Life with B60. Um, life Worth 360, uh, we're a digital space for honoring the people that make life worth living, a place where communities can collaboratively and collectively capture and curate the memories of a loved one who has passed, honoring their life in an authentic way. Um, and, and this really matters because where do you go to honor your person when increasingly there's no headstone to visit? Right. You know, there's there's an opportunity to use digital content and collaborative storytelling on the life of uh, that our loved ones live to uncover sort of that empathy and the connections that already exist in our communities. Um, and I sort of came to, you know, this idea and building this business. I'm originally from Brooklyn, currently live in Chicago um, by way of the Bay Area. And my journey into in, Life with 360 actually started when I decided to go back to school uh, after a career in architecture to understand how we finance the things we want to build to address the human needs. Um, that's, that was something I realized in the architecture world I didn't really understand. Um, and to build anything, I need to understand that. Uh, so I went back to school and got my MBA at the Kelly School of Management. Um, and uh, that's where I co-founded my company, Life Worth 360, with my co-founder, Allie Briggs. Um, and the idea really came out of a class that we took that was about really trying to understand um, a customer problem, you know, by getting out the building and talking to people and seeing, is it really a problem there? We started with the stresses of funeral planning. Um, and really talking to people who have lost someone, who have planned a funeral, you know, friends who have lost someone as well. And what we realized, um, there was one particular conversation that kind of pivoted our exploration. And it, it was this idea of being terrified of, you know, the fading memories, um, your, your memories fading because some of those memories existed with pe other people that knew your person in a different way. And those connections with those people were fading as well. And so we sort of pivoted towards that and just continue to talk to people and try to understand the market there. And what we realize is um, for us, the opportunity was that there's a little bit of a time disparity that happens when someone passes away where the community is very, very ready to share all their memories. And, and but the bereaved family and bereaved loved ones are too overwhelmed with logistics and grieving to really take that in. There's a really short period of time in which you can make that overlap. And so we're really sort of that place in between in which we can capture those memories, capture the community um, and they can create sort of this gift um, that uh, when the bereaved family is ready, they can come back and have you know, this full 360 view of their person's life. But also we identify the community and can engage the community to re-engage with you know, the bereaved family for the, for the long haul. And so that's what we've been building um, for you know, the past two years. Yeah, I mean, this, I mean, so interesting. I actually wanna, wanna dig a little bit deeper if it's okay, uh, Rochelle, on, on the, the stress involved and kind of some of the things you're seeing there. Um, 
you know, it can be specific examples or just things in general. And we, we've seen over the past year and change with the pandemic, unfortunately, so many people have, have lost their lives. Um, and so I can only imagine the, the stress has been amplified really all over the world, right? So generally speaking, though, you know, how much stress, and I, I, I got to believe everyone watching this is, has lost someone, unfortunately. Um, how much stress is involved in the, in the process of losing someone? And do, and do you think people are even aware of how much stress they're, they're under? Yeah, so the, the, there's a lot of stress. And what, one thing we learned is that your brain is just not working right when you lose someone. Like you're, you're, you've started grieving and you can't think straight. Like everything is, is sort of dumb. And what we realize, people don't realize is how hard it's going to be unless you've lost someone. If you lost someone, you realize that, okay, you, you can sort of jump in and be like, these are the things that you need to think about and do, particularly how do we capture the memories of this person where we have sort of the support from everyone. Um, and so it's, it can be extremely stressful because there's so many things you have to do. Things are moving very, very quickly, um, but you're not in a mental space to actually be doing all of that. Um, and what we realize is incredibly for the, that, that longer haul, that longer connection that you may have with that loved one is how do you maintain that community that that loved one has, but that also wants to be sort of part of remembering and keeping that person alive. Um, and so that's what we sort of uh, try to facilitate uh, with that platform as well. Yeah, no, that's great. And I want to kind of kick it down to, to Ashley. I mean, any thoughts on that topic and, and or, you know, same kind of similar question, right? You know, as it relates to, you know, art therapy and, and things like that, do you, how much in your experience and in what you're seeing, um, how, how, how impactful is, is art there? And do you think many people even realize um, what it can do for them? You know, I have found just even in my work before we started Artsy and in working with our customers, people are under a lot of stress and they don't even realize it until they're put in a space um, where they're kind of pushed a little bit to unpack their feelings. Um, and, you know, a lot of times that happens when they make that decision to go find a therapist and then go sit on the couch and talk to somebody. Um, but what I have found as an artist is that visual art has a unique way of creating that same space, um, but in a less direct, a less abrasive way. Um, it sometimes can be easier for people to start those difficult conversations of identifying where is my stress coming from. Um, and so, in my studio, a lot of our customers would just keep coming back over and over again. And we thought they were just having a good time, but a lot of them started telling us that this is like the first time all week that they got a chance to just sit to themselves and relax and not think about work and family and spouses and weight and all of the other things that just come with living in this country or being a minority just existing, right? In a brown skin. So there's just, there's a lot of things that for the first time they get to just kind of turn their brains off for a minute. Um, and so we found that teaching them, walking them through how to start unpacking that through the creative process and not just through painting, but using all kinds of mediums can at least just help start that conversation and give them a space and an outlet um, that doesn't require them to talk to somebody. It's more internal. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I can also imagine as I hear you all talking, I know we're, we're, this is about relationships and creative relationships between the, the three of you all here. What might it look like you know, where uh, someone who's grieving can get a little bit of art therapy um, through Arthur Bella and then also maintain the memories through Life Web 360. Um, so Yard, let's, let's, let's kick it over to you. Um, you know, are, are you, you know, and eventually I'm gonna ask you all about, you know, recent updates to your company, but for Yard, for you, you know, how much, how, how I have so many thoughts on, on childhood trauma um and trying to figure out the best question to ask but that being said the general one is around you know do you think people really understand so i think i think it's a few well it's a few things that you we could ask here right do you think the the average adult understands you know how much trauma they've they've endured in their life and how it's affecting them do you think parents understand for their children currently going through it um, what, you know, what are some of the things that you think about? What kind of trends are you seeing uh, as it relates to the space you're in? 
Yeah, <clears throat> that's a great question, Joey. Um, <clears throat> um, people of color <clears throat> have an experience of trauma that's generational. Uh. Um, so it's not just what happened in the here and now. Um, especially <clears throat> think about George Floyd <clears throat> um, anniversary uh, yesterday that, that we <clears throat> uh, carried the burden of trauma disproportionately. Um, there is no way in a hell that you can go through um, the level of oppression, <clears throat> oppression and, and um, disrespect um, and then not be, not have <clears throat> the, um, uh, the experience of trauma. So, so what we do is, um, so, so if you haven't, you know, recommend for anybody to go out, <clears throat> Google the Adverse Childhood Experiences Survey. It's a question, um, scientifically validated, quick and dirty, right? Um, any score after four, four or above, will come in with a whole set of lifetime consequences, including... Mm. Uh, chronic diseases, multiple chronic diseases, mental health issues, uh, life expectancy that sometimes cut 10, 15 years as a direct consequence of this childhood trauma. So, so trauma is partly it's a, it's a physical experience, it's partly it's an emotional experience, uh, intend to stick as, 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 a, you know, as a physical experience. So, so what um, Ashley and Rochelle doing um, is, um, is amazing in terms of allowing people to process, right? To process this, um, not just by speaking, right? But also tapping into uh, these other places that we can't see and we can't hear. But when people engage and create creative activities and telling the stories, what happens is that it's easy for them to tap into that, that pain uh, and then start working to, uh, to heal. Um, we use voice. <clears throat> um, this is a part of speech and voice. We use voice in, in uh, <clears throat> trying to figure out the severity of trauma. And so you're, um, so we know a lot about trauma, but we, what we don't have is we don't have an objective way of measuring how about the traumas, right? Mm. So, so we use voice and AI to to figure this thing out, right? So kids, if you ask them, you know, most, even my own kids say, oh, I don't know, you know, it's like, uh, you, you know, they're not trying to hide something. You know? They just don't know, right? So, so we take about a 45 to 90 second voice sample and, and use that, kind of develop this biomarker for stress and trauma. Um, and we do that partly because the, you know, the system of care for low-income kids, right? is um, it doesn't attract people with uh, intensive clinical training. Right? So what you have is um, that the provider community that's the least trained, right? These are people just out of graduate school jumping into that system of care. Uh, significant majority doesn't have a license. Right? And then you have the, the population is that the most severe as a direct consequence of trauma. So there is a mismatch. That mismatch contributes to this disparities in treatment outcomes. So what do you do with that? There's not going to be a whole bunch of people, you know, highly trained, going to jump into that system of care. But we think that we can use technology to be able to start narrowing that gap, give therapists quantifiable weight, not just to identify, but measure throughout the treatment process and to be able to make data-driven decisions. Um, and this tap into, you know, what we... What you know? What we just talked about here, it, we can measure. For example, someone is getting better through the art therapy process. We can talk about whether they're um, kind of really. I mean, the healing. I mean, that the process of healing after losing. I mean, I lost my father when I was eleven, so this is something that is very close to me. A lot of my problems down the road as an adult, I didn't know it by the way. So uh, that showed up is because I did not have the opportunity to process that pain. Um, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it is, um, it, you know, stress and trauma are, are very insidious in terms of what it, it attacks you. I mean, it is, it raises the level of cortisol in the body that directly goes after the executive functioning of the brain, right? When kids start impulsive and acting out, it's not because they want to act out and be impulsive. It is because that part of the brain that is very much in need is been impacted by their experience of direct or indirect trauma. Mm. Mm, man, 
man, I'm sorry, I start crying over here. You know what I'm saying? Just reliving my own stuff. I mean, what I was also thinking about earlier on was, and I've just read studies on this. I, I'm just the guy who just helps entrepreneurs, right? So I don't, I'm not a subject matter expert, to be clear. But uh, I've read read articles on, you know, trauma being passed down between, you know, parents and generations and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't know if yeah, I mean, is 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 that thing real, or or anybody else? Is it is it real? Um, and I can even just even kind of. I'm not saying we're closing the loop here, but I can imagine, especially as people of color, especially um, people of African descent in 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 this country. You know, seeing so many people killed, dealing, you know, grieving that process and having then passed down to to uh, the new generation of, of of people being born is just it's a vicious cycle. I mean, is this true? I mean, am, am I you know, it, it, are the articles wrong? I, I would say the articles are, are incredibly right. What we know about when someone passes away is that that passing ripples throughout the community, it, particularly if that pass, person had passed away via suicide, there's increased likelihood that someone else in that community will also may think about using that, that same um, means. Or if someone passes away um, uh, because of health illnesses, it's, it's possible there's someone else in that community that's also grieving that may also have sort of the same conditions that they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And so there's sort of a rippling of, you know, the trauma, at least when someone passes away throughout the community that that's also exacerbates whatever they, they may be dealing with in, in themselves um, that we see. Uh, definitely. Wow. And I found working with uh, a lot of families when you are kind of assessing the behaviors of the child and how they're processing what they're feeling, you, you see a lot of trends in the parents having those same habits and those same ways of processing their own feelings and trauma. And but you're you're seeing that without an influence of someone kind of giving them tools to do it in a more healthy way. And without those interventions, um, it just continues. That child ends up growing up and without having their own intervention, they, their child ends up learning the same things. Uh, uh. One, one, so, so one place to see the consequence of trauma is on academic performance. And so, so you have um, people of color disproportionately drop out of high school. Um, even when the school uh, doesn't know as well, and, and that has nothing to do with intelligence. That has to do with what trauma does to the brain. So, so trauma impacts the area of the brain that is very much necessary for kids to be successful at school, right? So that has to do with um, thinking through consequences. That has to do with uh, working memory, short-term memory that, that requires for the person to uh, store uh, information into the long-term memory, right? Uh, manages impulsivity, um, frustration tolerance, right? Kids, you can watch kids. Some kids do a lot better than other kids. So, 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 so you know, we, we, the consequences are, you know, you have to kind of, you know, it, it is these performances that, that, that sometimes, uh, you know, people in politics uses to um, not really to provide the adequate resources. These are not because someone just wake up one morning and said, you know, this is a good day to act out at school, right? There, there is, um, uh, they show up and they do the best under the circumstances, uh, not properly diagnosed, not being provided the kind of treatment or the kind of academic intervention they need to succeed. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yes. This is, this is all super informative. Any Let's talk quickly, and I, I do want to get around and kind of switch topics a little bit to understand what you all are working on now and, and things like that. But, you know, this is really for anyone to kind of hop in. What are people missing when it comes to mental, rel, rel, relative to your space or, or any other thoughts you may have? What are people missing? What are some things you wish people, you know, the public really, really wants to know and you don't think they really understand about your space? I would say that... Um making a decision to do something about your mental health doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It, it doesn't mean you're bad. There shouldn't be, you shouldn't feel any shame. Um, it's just like eating healthy, going to the gym. It's just a different part of your health that you're pouring into. And it's actually a very commendable um, and something that uh, I know in the mental health community, we like to celebrate um, when you take when you take the initiative to take control over your life, because we know how much 
poor mental health can impact our daily decisions, our relationships, just our quality of life in general. That's one thing that I, I wish people knew. Uh, I mean, we all, to some degree, are mentally ill. Um, mm. uh, nobody's exempt. I mean, this is just a um, part of being a human being. We, we, I mean, it is <clears throat> inheriting um, a brain from uh, our brothers and sisters in Iran, right? So, so a part of the brain still, uh, especially on the back of the brain, uh, is, is the brain that we brought into the table, right? So it's very difficult for someone to go through being human being especially to go through being, um, you know, coming from um, um, communities that have been oppressed. Um, and, and, you know, so it's a, it, it, we have something in common. So the, the difference is to what degree, right? Um, so a lot of people were born in situations that, that mitigates that background, right? So, so, so the, the environment that you were raised, and what about the, I think, relationship, this is where, um, so there is one thing that you can give your child. It's a gift of um, um, uh, the gift of um, connection. Right? There's a gift of you know how very early on that if you really want to impact you know their health, emotional and otherwise, when they're 18 or 19, give them the gift of attachment. Not necessarily what kind of the brand of diaper that you use or the. Uh, whether the clothes is from Nordstrom or somewhere else, that gift of attachment has an enduring consequences for, for the person. Uh, that mitigates, you know, uh, a whole bunch of up and downs that someone is going to go through um, as part of, you know, the growing up process. Mm. Yeah. Uh, another thing too that I think, and, and, and Yara talked about this previously, is, is access. And it's like it's, it's access to the support, you know, that you need, but also access internally, access to those emotions. And, you know, we sometimes in the ways that we cope, we cover up the ways in which we can access those emotions. And that ends up building up and that ends up being passed down in the ways that we interact, but also not really getting resolved and coming out in other ways. So um, sort of recognizing that it's not just out there. It's also like, how can I uncover like what's inside of me? Um, and let that out because that part of that processing, part of that reflection is really part of that process of, of dealing with your mental health. Mm. Mm. What that has to do with joy, what you do, right? So, so we're, this idea of learning about myself happens in a context of relationships. I, I can't really um, uh, get a good you know, sense of why I'm struggling in this area as I do my job uh, without connecting to other people Right, it is only happens in relationship. It does not happen in isolation. So, so, so the the power of you know what you do is is bringing people that are going through similar things. Not necessarily they're going to learn something, right? A lot of the learning has to do is is more internal, right? So, mm -hmm. so you know what am I in terms of in a relationship? What am I missing here? You know what you know um, what behaviors or or emotional experiences that are conducive to my business or or, or, or uh, um, compromises uh, so what I do. So, I mean, it does not mean this is, this is, you know, we, we, what you do have multiplier impact that is quantifiable. Mm. 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 Yeah, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about, about the power relationships as it relates to, to mental health. I mean, Rochelle, I want to, I want to start with you here. Um, you mentioned earlier, if I, and hopefully I can characterize this, this, this properly. Once, someone passes away they're the the people that are surrounded by them let me say this another way because <laughs> you said it obviously a, 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 a thousand times better basically it's the like the relationships between the the people that are close and the community and the memories fading away um can you go a little bit deeper into that and 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 talk a lot a lot about that about the the memories fading away and then the the relationships to the person who knows the person who passed away and stuff like that Definitely. So I, one thing we know is that, you know, or, or at least what we say at LifeWeb is, is who you were, who you were was really a collection of how everyone remembers you. Right. And sometimes how I may remember, like my brother is just the memories that I have. 
And interestingly, because you can con connect with a community that may have known him in different ways, you're also reframing his story into a light that you can better understand, not just him, but also yourself and the things that by your interaction with him, those things that, for example, let's say, um, um, you know, I realized, you know, uh, my brother had a really, really good, you know, he, he was really funny, right? Um, but that's how I knew him. But I realized from all these other people's stories that his being funny actually helped a lot of other people, mm. right? And, and part of that, like, I, I've gotten a little bit of his sense of humor, and that's because of him, right? And so there's a reframing of his story and my story, but also the connection with everyone else um, after. And this often happens after someone passes away. Another thing that happens when someone passes away as it relates to the connection, too, is that we start to rethink about our own lives and the people that we care about and want to make reconnect, make those connections or say the things that we didn't say. Um, and so there's a, another opportunity to sort of delve into sort of that connection and that emotion and that what does that mean um, at that time as well. Mm, mm, that's, that's, that's interesting. One, one thing that came to mind as you were saying that is the opportunity for when someone passes away for, for, for a person to develop stronger relationships to, to their friends and things of that nature. I, 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 I just think about all the people that I lost. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen that people do a, a good job of that. Um, I mean, is I mean, but that's, I think essentially which a pro, part of what you're, you're solving, right? I mean, do that's you see, exactly. yeah, kind of go into that. Exactly part of what we're solving. And, and what we realize is, is that it can be hard, particularly as time passes, you still want, it's those moments in which people can get together to re-celebrate, to re-honor. Mm. Like, so one thing that we do is we allow people who have shared a memory or on that platform to be able to get notifications on, you know, key dates to come back together to support the family, mm. whether that be an anniversary or a birth, uh, you know, the anniversary of death or a birthday or other key dates of that person's life in which those moments of celebration are important to that reconnection. Um, so that's something that we help facilitate because naturally when you're doing it yourself, you might forget, you might forget those dates, right? But when communities come back together, it re reignites it. And so how can we sort of help people do the things that they naturally want to do, but don't have sort of sometimes access to those steps or even, even now, you know, some of the things that we've done traditionally, people are moving away from the traditions that are out there. And so they don't have access to some of the steps that may help in their sort of healing process. And so how, how can we redefine it in the world that we in, are in right now? No, that's super. And before I kick it to Ashley, I mean, any what is the top the top key date um, in in your estimation, or even what you're seeing? Is it um, the person's birthday? Is it the anniversary of their of their death? Is it something else? I mean, what do you what are you seeing, or 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 or, or even just just thoughts on it, um, Rochelle? It, uh, it, it it honestly comes down to that person. Sometimes it's not even related to their birth. It, it, sometimes it could be the day, like, um, one example, we had someone who was a runner and like, there's a big running contest that everyone knew as a runner and like had a big running community. And like the day of that running contest became a key date for mm. that life web. So it's really about the context of, of the person and what dates really kind of authentically define them and mm. also define experience of, of that community with them. Um, as opposed, but uh, always, you know, the anniversary and the birthday are important dates, but there are sometimes are more important dates um, because of how the person lived their life. Yeah, that's that. So, I mean, it's, it's, this is so intriguing to me again, because through the context of relationships, it gets me thinking about, you know, could before we go, could we define maybe what we what we want that date to be and then use that as a way to and, and share it with the people we're close with? as a part of our relationship with them so that they actually know our wishes versus maybe them picking something. That being said, maybe picking something is, is also probably a better way too. So it is, I'll just get really a spitball here. This is so interesting to me. So, so Ashley, let's talk a little bit about your thoughts on relationships as through, through the work that you do around, around art. You know, it's interesting um, uh, being in school, uh, getting licensed as an art therapist when we're learning about, um, how to introduce different mediums and materials and create directives for a myriad of mental health topics with uh, working with a, a individual client. We're always talking about kind of like that individual work they're doing. Um, but in Artsy, I've, I've found that people find a lot of motivation and encouragement through collaborating and working together. Um, I'm more of an independent thinker, so it's kind of surprising to me. Um, and I've learned a lot from watching people uh, not only find just camaraderie and support 
from other people who find um, who find creating as a way to to pour into their mental health and wellness, but also just it creates a way to have conversations that they otherwise couldn't just have had audibly um, and just using the art to do it. We find that the collaborative work also works well uh, in employee wellness. Um, I've done especially a lot of the events that we do with Kaiser and some of our other corporate partners. Um, I even just did a mural with Delta Airlines and we had a lot of their employees come in and volunteer. And it was something about them meeting each other for the first time or they haven't seen each other in a while since the pandemic started. And it was like achieving this goal together, you know, having this thing that they're doing together really created, it just took the, the therapeutic experience to another level um, mm-hmm. to just know that they weren't doing it alone. Nice, nice. Let's 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 stay. I mean, I want to talk a little bit now. Now shifting into some of the work you all are doing and some things you're 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 doing. You're you're working on moving forward. You mentioned Kaiser. You mentioned um, Delta. Is there anything else, or do you want to dig deeper into those? Or feel free to talk about that or anything else you have um, kind of coming up. So I think the biggest thing we have coming up is just the next iteration of our solution, which was just taking our company from having this subscription box that had art therapy activities in it to uh, more so focusing on what we're sending people in the mail is the materials and tools they need, but them getting guidance and instruction 24 hours a day through using our online platform. And it's in development now. We should be done with our MVP in about three weeks. Um, And we are hoping that we'll be able to finish this priestly round of fundraising we're doing uh, once we have that ready to test. Um, so that's probably the most exciting thing we're doing. And um, even more so exciting is that we do have really great relationships with businesses that want to be pilot businesses to test it out. Um, and then we have just a really large customer base um, who are ready to try it out as individuals too. Nice, 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 nice. Yard, um, any updates on your end? Um, so we're, you know, um, I said before we were um, raising our seed seed round and um, uh, and looking for um, a strategic partner. So so someone just writing a check is really not that helpful to us. Um, but someone coming in with a relationship with um, payers as well as uh, mentors providers for uh, expanding our pilots uh, could be even much more useful to us. Um, and our goal is to collect about 5,000 voice samples uh, before the end of this year. Um, so, so that will make us, um, nobody will have the kind of data that we have, um, the diversity of the data that we have. Um, uh, we're addressing the issue of bias in developing our algorithm um, and partly um, through how we label the voice samples and. Um, our voice samples are divided between African-American, Latinx, and uh, poor white kids from rural communities. Um, uh, so, so, so that's, you know, um, uh, in, 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 we have to measure whether some people are getting better or not. So, you know, we talk about, you know, uh, money all the time. Like, is there enough money uh, to provide mental health treatment uh, for um uh, people from marginalized communities. It, we simultaneously need to figure out what are people doing with that money, right? So, so you have, if, if you give a system of care $250 billion a year to treat 5 million uh, children from low-income communities, you should expect data to say, this is what I've done with your money, right? And so, so right now it's free for all, right? Uh, and poor people does not have the power to lobby and advocate and change from one provider to another provider. You know, the nature of poverty makes it difficult to do it. So, 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 you know, um, I hope that providers um, um, are start measuring. I hope payers start asking, right? Uh, policymakers uh, demanding that, that, um, I mean, it is, you know, it's a, it's virtually a data-free zone, right? If someone finds me uh, outcome data in this system of care, please. Um, so, so, so we have like this disparities uh, research over and over again. We don't need another disparities research to tell us that there is disparities, right? 
It's now time to focus on, you know, what we do in here, find other venues to improve the quality of life of people from marginalized communities, right? Um, whether it be art, whether it be music, whether it be, um, you know, supporting therapists uh, to become more data-driven. Um, so we're at this phase that, that we need a push and a demand to say that, that, that poor people to deserve the same quality of services than my kids or somebody else's kids that have the resources to be able to refer them to a quality mental health provider. Mm, that's that's real, so real. So and so right now you're you're in a, um, a accelerator program with Phyllis Capital and in J and J. Is that correct? Yeah, J and J. And so so we're we're working through that. We're um, going through a list of uh, potential investors, uh, and and with um, you know um, we just don't want to approach investors. We don't really have anything in common with. This is not what we do. Is not it's not for everybody, right? So it's a uh, uh, yeah, but if you're patient enough, and if you if you if you if you appreciate social impact as much as um, we're as greedy as any other startup, so this is not like some sort of a charity that we're trying to do. We're also mindful that there is an opportunity for us to make an impact. So, so if you're an investor, right, that you have an interest to some degree, not just thinking about the returns. I think we can because of the technologies that we're, you know, it's very difficult to find um, a voice company that focused on mental health with children and adolescents. So you can make money, which is, uh, but we want you to be, have some degree of interest, right, in, in making an impact. So, so, we're, so we're going through these list of, you know, potential investors um, that can, come in, bring their check, and also bring in their relationships to expand what we do. There's 5 million kids right now in, um, in the system of care. So, so to reach out to, to that level of uh, populations, we, we need all the connections in their relationships. Mm. Yeah, I keep on going back, 5 million number. Man, that's tough. That's tough. Rochelle, any, um, any, any updates on, on your end? Yeah. Uh- We've been, uh, you know, lucky as of uh, as of late to be able to, you know, move off of a dev shop and actually have now an internal dev team, uh, internal product team, uh, rather. And so we're excited to sort of move forward with developing um, some new experience, particularly around how we make it much more easier for someone to share memories in sort of the media that they feel comfortable being able to express those stories. And then on the other side, really engaging with those stories. How can we really tell those stories with using this different sort of digital content? So we're exploring that with the, the team now. But uh, yeah, so th- we have a great internal team. Actually, part of the, that team we were able to d- develop because of introductions um, from the Goody Nation team and, and you, Joey, in, in pivoting our hiring strategy. Um, so we're really excited about that. Um, we're currently raising a, a pre-seed round and um, have some budding uh, partnerships uh, of other sort of communities that want to collectively celebrate uh, the group of loved ones that they, they have. Nice, nice, nice. So before we kind of end with contact information and things of that nature, I want to open up the floor for any kind of final thoughts, right? Anything you want to get across or something like that relative to your work or just stuff in general. So uh, I could get to Ashley first. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, Joey, I always have to give you your flowers because, um, you know, I was, you know, familiar with you and your work and just your commitment to minorities being in tech. Um, Goody Nation has just exploded. And as I'm grateful that I am now a founder of a tech company and I get to be a part of what you're building and just the resources, the community you created, the Slack, everything is, is so, it's, this is such a lonely road we're all on, right? Sometimes it's just a lot of people don't get what we're doing. Um, a lot of long nights a lot of tears, a lot of finance <laughs> stuff, you know, and yeah. just to know that there is a community and there's somebody like really, you're really, really fighting for us. I want to make sure that we celebrate you for the work that you're doing that you're committed to. Um, but I love this series because I'm listening to them talk and I'm seeing how we can all collaborate together. I already got all these ideas. So I'm like smiling and giggling. So I can't wait to email y'all after this. Um, just for us to continue the conversation, because I definitely see how there is a lot of symmetry between um, the different solutions we have. And I look forward to seeing how we can all work together. 
Awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. And thank you. Thank you, by the way. It, it means a lot. I'm actually trying to hold back some tears here. Oh. <laughs> this has been a powerful episode. I'm not going to lie. Just just in general. And so, uh, yeah, I'll kick it to, to Yard. Any um, any 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 thoughts? I'm definitely uh, sign up with um, Rachel. I lost my brother and mother in the last three years uh, back to back. And so this grief thing is um, it's, it's real. And um uh, you know, part of the intensity of the grief has to do with the intensity of the relationships. Um, uh, and, and so as we talk about relationships, I'm reminded of this African proverb, it's like, I am because we are, and since we are, therefore I am. Uh, I do not exist without you. Uh, I don't have, um, this relationship thing is uh, deep in our um, genetics um, uh, at the cellular level. And, um um, and, and so this past year, the highlight of what we do has been uh, the Google programs and, and the good nation. And so, so I mean, it is an essential part of um, uh, our process of growing up. You know, it's a, I didn't come from money. I, there's nobody I look up in terms of I cannot call and talk to my uncle about, uh, you know, raising funds. I don't have uh, a church I go to on Sunday and, um, and encourage people to invest in my company. So, so it's a, uh, it, it's a challenge. Um, but I think part of why we keep going um, in this path is because um, uh, uh, as tired as I get sometimes, I'm also alive at the same time. Right? So uh, this is such a, a unique time in terms of um, using technology to impact um, uh, outcomes for not just mental health, but physical health. So, you, so, so if, you, if you just put together all the people that are working on uh, health and education, and it, I mean, the collective impact is, is going to be um, unreal, right? So, so uh, us by ourselves can make I me, mean, I'm not one of those uh, founders that will say we're going to transform something. There's no transformation um, is really not the reasonable goal when you work with um, disparities, outcomes and racism, right? And so for us, you know, making a reasonable impact and then, and then you guys will make another, right? So all these impacts that collectively you see quantum change right so so it's a it's the collective ability and in and and so um uh you know we already have enough to collaborate here i mean and that we can plug in our voice technology with ashley so we can measure outcomes bring that data back to her for a white paper you know what i mean it's a uh, the same thing in terms of grief and um are the interventions are um uh, you know, decreasing the emotional distress. Emotional distress is negative emotions, right? So it's a, uh, we feel it. I, when I have it, I feel it on my, my back, my shoulders, my head. Um, so, so we can be able to measure that. So, um, so this collective ability, I mean, it brings me back to um, my family, right? I have a big family um, and, um, you know, it's a, we sacrifice uh, to be able to be together. It's not the other way around, right? So it's a, um, you know, sometimes you know it's, they get my last nerves, and I don't want to, <laughs> you know, I don't want to see them, and all. It's just, but that doesn't last too long. Um, but but I just want to, you know, this relationship piece is, is an important piece. You know, I don't think I've gone through this process without having, you know, these relationships that that kind of uh, put things in perspective and in give things a context in uh, a hopefulness that, that if I keep going, right, uh, there is a, a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm, I love it. I love it. I'm, I actually just took a note down around collective impact for quantum change. Um, Rochelle? Yeah, that's, that's a, a great line. It was, I was like, I need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I, I just want to echo that because like, not everything is out there, right? You think you can sort of like go to Google and ask a question and like, it, it's not there. Where it really exists is in the relationships, right? And being able to talk to the people, like even if you, this is this is a, a, a part of the reason why Goody Nation is so powerful because you try to search something specific for entrepreneurship, you're not gonna find it <laughs> because that information exists within the people who have experienced that and they will tell you like what, where, when, how, 
And that's really, you know, sort of the power, right? Being able to get that real information that's just collectively out there and reapply it to something to make something else great. Um, so, you know, relationships number one, even in product, talking to your users, building that relationships, like relationships everywhere. It's like that there's all this hidden information and hidden knowledge. And the only way you can get to it is by developing this relationship. Mm, I love it. I love it. So Rochelle, let's do some in closing, just how, how do people get in contact with you? You know, if they want to use a product or they want to do, you know, if you're, if you're raising or anything like that. Yeah. So if uh, people want to get in contact with me, one, uh, our website is www.lifewebd60.com. Um, you can get in contact with me at Rochelle uh, at lifewebd60.com. Super simple. Um, but you can also follow what we're doing um, on our Instagram and uh, Facebook pages. And that's uh, LifeWeb360? That's um, LifeWeb360. Yeah. Okay. Cool. cool. Um, Yard, what about contact information? Uh, we're, our website is www.tqintelligence.com, TQ and intelligence, one word. Uh, my email is Y, uh, last name A-L-E-M-U, at tqintelligence.com. Nice, nice. Uh, Ashley? Um, our website is www.artsybella.com, and that's A-R-T-Z-Y-B-E-L-L-A.com. My email address is Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y, at artsybella.com. And I'm very, very active on LinkedIn. I love connecting pe with people there. Nice, nice. So listen, this was super powerful. It has me thinking about a, a lot of different things um, related to mental health and, and, and across grieving, across creativity, cre across the childhood space. Um, I'm also helpful, hopeful that you all can develop relationships with, with each other and create some quantum change. Um, to everybody out there listening and watching, um, hopefully you all enjoyed this. This has been super powerful for me and uh, I think you all enjoyed it as well. So please share with a friend, tell a friend to tell a friend and uh, we'll, we will see you all soon. Peace out. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Wild Relationships Matter podcast by Goody Nation. If you were inspired, if you want to make a change, if you want to close the relationship gap, please follow us at Goody Nation on all social media channels or also log on to goodynation.org. Peace out.